Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Well, welcome back. Here we are again. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. (laughs) I'm a little rusty here. Uh, It's like trying to start an old Buick. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm the old Buick. Um, This is Craig McConnell, and I'm with John Eldridge, and this is the Ransom Heart Podcast. And it's our joy to welcome back local pastor Greg Lindsay, pastors of church here, Discovery Church in Colorado Springs. And (laughs) we began just hearing a bit of... uh, Greg's story as a pastor in this church plant and bringing the Ransom Heart message and its impact and power on him as a pastor and and then on his on his church mm. and just the story of changing lives. It was good conversation. It was really good. And gang, we're doing this for two reasons. Um, we don't have guests in very often, mm-hmm. um, but not because Greg's trying to put his church out there as the perfect church. <laughs> But rather because we want to say this works. This works, gang. This message can work within a church context in a lot of different ways. And there's just a diversity. If if you get on the Ransomed Heart website on the Allies Network, what you're going to discover there is churches doing this in all kinds of ways. You know, kind of the more typical, you know, this is our men's program or our women's program or this is our men's retreat each year or women's. And that's great. Mm -hmm. And they're reaching lives. And others, you know, they're doing a father-son thing or they're doing a father-daughter thing or they're, you know, to the degree that moving along the spectrum where they've incorporated it deeply into the culture of the church. So we just wanted to have Greg back a second time to say, gang, it works. It can happen. And and then also partly to convey our heart that we are pro-church. Um, don't know how the impression got given out there. Um, I think it partly came because we shoot straight about the church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and people kind of consider, wow, any criticism is somehow mm-hmm. dismissal or, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't ever criticize the bride of Christ. And I mean, I've had guys just chew us up on that. But we are kind of a prophetic ministry. We do have sort of a prophetic voice into the church. And yeah, we do point out, like Sacred Romance, that was all about come back to your first love. Absolutely. Well, gang, that's from the book of Revelation. Like (laughs) We didn't cook that up. You know, those are Jesus's words. Um, So our heart is pro-church. It really is. And pro the body of Christ and just want to talk a little bit more about how this message really can work in the church. But in order to start today's conversation, I wanted to come back to something you guys both alluded to as pastors, um, the difference between program and what? What would you describe it? Heart? Process? I would say steps. And, you know, there's a great church out there that they said, think steps, not programs with people. And I love that. Because, I mean, I think there's just something what natural. It, what in the does that church. mean to you? I think what's the next step for someone in their journey with Christ and their journey with Jesus rather than some matrix of programs or some formula or some curriculum? Yeah. You know, it's like, where do we want to take people? So you start to break it down that way. Right. So what's the heart journey that we want to take people on okay. as opposed to? Pause. Okay. Yeah. Pause. Because that sentence right there is radical. What is the heart journey mm-hmm. we want to take people on? Mm-hmm. Because, gang, we just have to be fair. I mean, we're trying to say this can work in a church context, but there is an if. If 
the heart journey is something you want to be involved with. Right. Right. Because can this work? Can this work in a church that dismisses the heart? No. Can this work in a church that dismisses journey? No. No. I mean, right. You know, that dismisses woundedness and Jesus healing the brokenhearted and dismisses some of these core categories. Of course not. Of course not. If you're hostile to that and what you're looking for is the, you know, get them in, get them out, discipleship program in eight weeks, right, there's probably going to be some tensions and this message is going to feel a little awkward in that program, right? You know, the word I would use is um, instead of program, it, it maybe it'd be presence. Um, Greg, I mean, uh, as an outsider who's watched you for three years, so much of our conversation has been around your heart, yes, your story, yes, your journey of the heart, yes, knowing that that will spill over into everything you're doing, absolutely, and your leadership, your elders, your teachers, everybody, their heart journey is going to either be inspired, modeled, encouraged by your heart journey through your sermons, through your meeting with them through your letters, notes, training times. So there are steps, and part of that heart journey is interpreting and understanding people, your congregation and their problems, and then offering strength and direction. But preceding that is just a presence, God's presence in you, taking more and more of your heart and life. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's you, Greg, and what God's done in your life that explains discovery churches, growth, and the transformation of other people. It's not the steps you've taken as good and as right and as God-directed as there. It's you. Right. And when I say steps, I'm not saying uh, ministry steps as much as I am saying my own walk with God. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as people journey this journey, Mm -hmm. you know, for life, the life that Jesus offers, you know, how do you help people move from where they stand right now just to simply take that next step? Mm-hmm. Because I'll be honest, part of the scariest part for me when my life collapsed, and it didn't collapse, I blew it up, but was I didn't know why and how that happened. Mm-hmm. My friends would call and say, how did this happen? Why did this happen? I was right. leading a successful church. It was, you know, a year and a half old. It was growing gangbusters. Life was good. You know, we weren't strapped financially. It made no sense, not only to people who looked at it from the outside, and it made no sense to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I reflect back to five months before that. I'd spoken in D.C. with some other pastors, too, about that same time. And I was flying back on a Saturday night. I was going to preach on Sunday morning, and I was journaling. These other pastors, God, have something that I don't. Something's missing in me. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I realized later was that, you know, it was my story, my wounding, my brokenness, my insecurity. You know, I remember getting off the stage in North Carolina and just walking out into the lobby and feeling like this needy child who needs somebody to tell me that sermon was okay. Yeah. You know, and so I love people. I love what God's doing there. My heart is all into ministry, but I was so broken and so wounded and didn't even know it. And so for me, this whole thing has been, it's got to start with me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've appreciated Craig and our relationship and his help with my heart uh, mm-hmm. is because you, I don't know who said it, but you can't give away something you don't have and yeah. you don't possess. Yep. And that's what I was trying to do yep. when I was in ministry before. And I don't recommend the path that I took to learn these lessons, but God used this message in a powerful way. To And now, you know, what he's saying is true. My elders, he mentioned those guys, six guys who've done life with me for the whole journey I've been here. 
And when I got here, there was no leadership in place. And I simply asked these guys to walk life with me. And they did that anonymously for almost three years and became our first elders. And you guys have met them now and uh, tremendous men of God. I look at our church now and it's big. I mean, it's not huge, but the growth we've had is phenomenal. It's not about numbers because it's about numbers only because those represent lives. But people ask me, how do you lead church this size as the only full-time pastor? And you know what the real answer to that is? It's the ransomed heart message being lived out in the lives of other people because they are leading smaller redemptive communities. They are shepherding people. Okay, okay, okay. Pause. That's huge. Yep. That's huge, 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 gang. I just need to pause and put an asterisk next to that because here's the thing that's so fun is Stacy's been doing a little teaching thing here at our outpost for women on a Wednesday night once a month. They went through a series this past year and and what is so fun is, you know, she'll finish the time of teaching and then they'll kind of just break into, you know, sort of minister to one another. And there's nothing formal. There's absolutely no program to it. It would look a little chaotic to someone who loves program. But gals turning and praying for one another, yes. listening to one another, tears, you know, and yes, times of worship. But when you equip people with the ransomed heart message, you turn them into very powerful mm-hmm. agents for the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. Dangerous. This is what I want to sell yeah. the church on. It's like, gang, it's going to take all the pressure off you as pastor to come through for every single member of your congregation, right? It really does. It, it absolutely does. You know, they, they say, I've, I've heard this stat, I don't know where it comes from. You know, one man can only effectively pastor about 150 people. And that's the beauty of my elders. I mean, these guys are great men of God. They're immersed in the message. They can hear someone's story now and help people navigate. They want to rescue others. They want to rescue others. When this message transforms your life, you want to see it transform other Mm -hmm. people's lives. Absolutely. You don't have to be coaxed into ministry. You don't have to be bullied to volunteer. You don't have to – again, I just want to say, gang, not only is this message – pro-church. But my goodness, if you get your people infected with this, you're going to have dozens and hundreds of lay ministers running around your congregation rescuing people that you, as the pastor leadership, you can just take a deep sigh and say, I'm so grateful I didn't have to meet with that person. I I can't take one more marriage counseling appointment, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, man, set your people free, you know, get them healed up, you know, or on the direction of healing and and equip them with this and then set them loose on others, right? Absolutely. John, when I went to my first boot camp, you gave us that postcard, which was that painting, My Bunkie. Yeah. And, you know, it's the horse, the cavalry rescuing. And I remember you talking about wanting to be the rescuer right. and what God said to you in that moment. But we've got a, a just a, something we say all the time around DCC, and that is to be rescued, then to rescue. Yeah. yeah. To be rescued, right then to rescue. Right I mean, that's on. that's what we're about here. And I've seen people in our church just really gravitate and just latch on to that and say, yes, that's who we want to be. And so mm-hmm. what you're talking about is exactly what's happening in mm-hmm. our place. Now, that's not to say we'll never need more staff. But you need it far less than you do in other contexts that I've seen ministry. Right. right. Okay. Now, again, for those who have just tuned in, this is a second part of a two-part series at this point um, yeah. on how this message can work in the church. And we've had Greg Lindsay come in because he's a local guy and, and we could drag him into the studio this morning. <laughs> um, we have a lot of friends actually around the country who are doing this in their churches. and. And I know some of you were saying, how? Please give me a couple pictures of how. So, Greg, I want to walk back through that. So you invite the women in your church to a weekly gathering 
led by women yes. through the captivating message. Absolutely. And you do that for a couple of weeks? No, we do that starting in January, usually third week of January, and it finishes somewhere middle of May. Okay, so we're talking semester. To, yeah, it's a semester. <laughs> that, you know, it's your program for women in the church. And we offer nothing that competes with it. It's huge. It's a huge gag. And then you do the same thing for men. Wild at heart. Right? And it's the same thing. It's January through May. Yes. Um, and you're using some of the Ransomed Heart resources, but you're also doing some of your own teaching in that. I'm teaching it, but I mean, I'm teaching what you guys teach. Okay. So And so you've got the women going through this track. You've got the men going through this track. There's nothing competing with it. Nothing. So the message from the pulpit is this is central. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the message from the head guy is I believe in this. This will change your life. This Absolutely. Will, okay. This will work. So then the guys and the gals go through that January through May. But then the other thing that I've heard from friends who go to your church, Craig, is that this is what you preach on. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, year round. Absolutely. You know, not in the sense that you're having to quote John Eldridge, you know, but, just, but just in the sense of this is flowing from your heart and life. Yeah. This is flowing from your worldview from the pulpit. Absolutely. Every single week. And it's the message because I didn't get this until I was, you know, almost 40 years old that Jesus came to do more than just punch my ticket to heaven. Yeah. You know, to yeah. seek and save that which has been lost, you know, everything that's been lost in my life and my yes. story. And yes. that's what he came to do for me. So that that brokenness, wounded piece is a central theme that you're going to hear in some context every single week when we preach. And then we'll do specific things, too. Like I did a series on desire, which was, you know, built around your book. Awesome. Desire did that for six weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even use the illustration that you used every week, stayed with the, was it the seal or the, the sea lion who the lost sea the lion, sea, the sea yeah. lion who lost the sea, used the sea lion yeah. every single week. We went back to the yeah. sea lion and visited that. And then, Hey, and guess then, what? I saw him. The sea lion. I did. <laughs> I saw him down and, on Maine and church. No, no, no. He found the sea. <laughs> oh, I, I've got some really good news for those of you familiar with that. <laughs> I was in Seattle with Stacy. We were taking Luke to look at a, at a college up there and. And we were down on the water, and the sea lion whoop, poked his yeah. head up, and I went, there you are. Yeah. Anyway, a little <laughs> bit of kind of insider culture or something to Ransomed Heart. The thanks, sea lion who lost the sea. Thanks for sharing that, John. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> okay, back to you, <laughs> yeah. Greg. Well, so Look, can, the, I, can yeah, I just interrupt sure, you? The sure. other thing you're doing, Greg, that I see from the outside is, is the priority of your leadership. You're taking through this material. You're taking your key guys to boot camps. Absolutely. You're taking them out on retreats, your own in-house retreats where you're covering this material. So you're taking this to your key people and all your people. We took 16 leader type guys out to Glen Erie last fall and spent two days. And all we did was share story, mm. have mm. them share stories, their stories with each other. And it was it was just powerful, powerful stuff. And that's how we developed the eldership in this church. There again, I had no clue what I was really doing. But it was a diet of sacred romance, wild at heart, and waking the dead. And not that we didn't look to anything else. We did. But this was the core, the thread that ran through everything that we did, leadership development-wise. And it still is. And then recently, you did Beautiful Outlaw. And tell us how that worked. Because I'm looking at this postcard. There's this really um, – actually, Stacy and I were – we were going to go to the church that we go to on Easter, but we were recognizing that she was doing a little brunch for the family and our times didn't quite line up. And so we thought, well, you know, maybe we'll go over to Greg's church, to Discovery Church for Easter, because you all came up with this mailing card. This, It's a wanted poster 
wanted dead or alive. And then it kind of goes through rabbi, you know, who is this person, savior, is he absurd, prophet, king, hope, you know, beautiful outlaw. So what is going on with beautiful outlaw in your church? Um, we actually have done two things with that, John. Five or six weeks before Easter, we started that sermon series we called Beautiful Outlaw. And every single week, we flushed out more of who is Jesus. Did a really cool intro video that went with that, too. So we were introducing people to the reality of the, the fierceness of Jesus and the passion of Jesus, you know, the, the cunning of Jesus, many of the concepts from the book. Uh, we made the books available to everybody as well uh, when we started the series. But another cool thing we did was we got the DVD curriculum for the small group. And what we found is our church, when I got here, you know, three, four years ago, really struggled with small groups. Uh, honestly, there were a lot of small groups that were kind of functioning that people didn't really want to be in community with each other. But, you know, <laughs> you're in a church, you're in a small group. So, right. so I said, we got to rethink this. And so what we've done is we've tried to um, create larger venues for people to come together that are less intrusive and start to connect relationally over a period of maybe five or six weeks. And hopefully relationships going to start to form. And so then when we say, hey, take this and go do life together, there's some relationship pieces in place. I like these people. That have already been established. Exactly. So the first time we tried that was when Love and War first came out. And we used Love and War as the big group venue. Had about 100 mm -hmm. adults show up for this. This is a couple of years ago. Couples show up. We invited singles too. Uh, and then we'd watch the DVD. And then we'd break into four or five large groups, which would be about maybe 20 adults. And just have them discuss whatever it was, you know, on the topic for the night right. in love and war. And then, you know, challenge them as we're doing this, connect with people relationally, and then let's carry this into redemptive community. We did that with love and war. It worked really well. We've done it with Epic. We've most recently done it with Beautiful Outlaw. So when we kicked off the series, we also made the DVD curriculum available for any group leader that wanted it. We recruited people who said, I'll host. We said, you don't have to be this Bible scholar leader. Just open your home up and say, I'll yeah. host this thing. Yeah. So we started 10 new groups in one Sunday night. That's awesome. Uh, of adults that are now going through the beautiful outlaw 17 week mm -hmm. or whatever it is, uh, DVD curriculum together. Mm -hmm. So we've used Ransomed Heart resources to, to facilitate growth in small groups as well. So we have people, you know, centered in this message, even in the context of these smaller redemptive communities. Mm. And the really cool thing, I just want to come back to the fruit, is that the guy that I ran into getting <laughs> my hair cut and how excited he was about church. I mean, he was excited about church. And the people, uh, frankly, that work on our staff here who go to Greg's church, they are excited about church. I mean, they're on Facebook inviting their friends to come to Discovery Church. There, yeah. you know, and you just don't see that much. <laughs> you don't see that kind of passion and, and enthusiasm for church and, and we want to, you know, we yes. we'd love to see that. So the fruit of this has been pretty sweet. It's been amazing. And that example of the guy you're talking about is going through some hard stuff in his life right now. And when you mention him, it just makes me smile because I flipped back the clock seven, eight years ago. And I know that I wasn't equipped to help a guy like, like yeah. him. Yeah. And he comes to me in his brokenness, in the mess that is his life right now. And I don't have a clue. I can point him to some scripture. I can pray with him, do the pastoral thing. But to actually help him navigate through this, mm. uh, it, that's a whole different animal that I wasn't equipped mm. to handle. Eight no, years ago. Eight years ago. But now? But, oh, yeah. I mean, this just provides that framework. Like yes. I said, that I hear story and it doesn't matter how messy it gets, how jacked up it is. You can just put the pieces into place and begin to help people navigate through it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm.
Friends, we just burned through another podcast like that and, mm -hmm. and you can hear the passion behind this. You're hearing a, a local pastor who's saying, look, this is working and Craig and I just cheering this on and saying, yeah. we long to see this happen in churches. Yeah. We've developed resources at Ransom Heart to help this happen in churches. In fact, frankly, most of the reason that we do all the small group curriculum that we do is so we can give it to guys like Greg and say, this will be helpful. And it is. Give it to your people. Let them run with it. So if you haven't explored any of that stuff, you can find all that on our website. There's small group curriculums for sacred romance and for love and war. There's, of course, stuff for men and in Wild at Heart and Father by God. There's stuff for women. Now there's beautiful outlaw DVDs and workbooks and all kinds of stuff for your church to use to help people thrive. We want to see the church yes. thrive. We bless the church. So thanks for listening in on this podcast. And what we want to encourage you to do is this. Would you, would you give this to your pastor or maybe an elder in your church that you've got relationship with? If you're on a church team or staff, would you bring it in and play it for your staff and say, I just want you to hear a couple podcasts, just two-part series to hear our heart toward the yeah. church and, and also to hear the hope that can happen in a church that, I mean, I think, Greg, you would say that most of the growth that you've experienced, both in terms of numbers, but also in terms of just health of people has been because of some of the stuff we've sent your way. I'm saying that all of the growth is because of God working through the Ransom Heart message. I don't say most, I say all. Mm. I mean, it's the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of. Our people are so excited about the offer of life and hope that's available there at DCC. And, and it's, it's all God and it's all this message. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. We'd say the same thing about Ransomed Heart. It's all God. You know, Amen. nobody's taking the credit for this, but there's our passion, gang. Give this to your church leadership. Let them hear, let them hear the heart behind this and let them hear the hope in this that, man, you could see some really phenomenal things happen in your church by plugging into the things that we're humbly offering with a heart for the church. Absolutely. So thanks for listening in to the Ransom Heart Podcast. I'm John Eldridge, and it's been a pleasure to have with Craig and I, Greg Lindsay, who's the pastor of Discovery Church here in Colorado Springs. 